Hello again and welcome to another episode of A Thousand and One by One, where we take a film out of the wonderful book, A Thousand and One Movies You Must See Before You Die, discuss it, analyze it, and ultimately decide whether or not it should be in the book. My name is Adam St. John. And I am Ian Woodington. And uh, before we get to another first from a very well-known director, we'll give some recommendations for the week. Ian, what do you got? I have got something which is completely unrelated to the film that we are going to talk about in the meat of the episode. I love it. Uh, Lady Macbeth. Okay. I don't know if you've heard of this or does, I, it, I, does it ring a bell? I don't know. I okay. think it might. So it's on, as of this recording, it's on HBO. Okay. Or HBO Now, if you've got the, the streaming service. Sure. So a lot of people kind of balked at the idea of calling it Lady Macbeth because they feel, oh, it's got nothing to do with Shakespeare. It's got nothing to do with the Scottish play this, that, and the other, but as as the movie sat, I kind of I started to realize why it's called that. You know, I started to f- see and feel those kind of uh, that, the connective tissue between who this main character is and who Lady Macbeth was, and what their motivations for doing what they did were. Sure, I think it's a very apt title. Anyway, so Lady Macbeth is set uh, in the 1860s uh, in the countryside of of England. Uh, This young 17-year-old girl has been bought and sold to a very wealthy family, and she is supposed to produce an heir for them with the the son, the oldest son. He is not the most loving of husbands. You get the feeling that he can't really get it up with her, Uh, so she's not being fulfilled. She's not fulfilling the purpose for why she is there in yeah. the coldest and most callous sort of way of describing things. Uh, anyway, he ends up, the, the father-in-law, great performance from him, and uh, so the, the, the father-in-law and the son, they have to leave because of a, an, ex- an explosion, an accident at uh, their factory, and she's left there alone for an indefinite period and, of course, starts having an affair with one of the stable boys, which is a very passionate, very intense affair, and things slowly start to get out of hand and of course murders have to happen anybody who has children young children they're going to be very disturbed by this film because it goes to some very dark places in fact liz got up and left the room at the end because she just couldn't watch the ending oh well there you go so there that's a interesting recommendation and the the lead actress uh florence pook yeah I think her name is. Yeah. I, I don't know how to pronounce her last name. It's P-U-G-H. Yeah. Yep. Um, so I'm probably mispronouncing the last name. She looks like she's about to be a, an up-and-comer. Okay. She's got a, a new film directed by uh, Stephen Merchant coming out called Fighting With My Family, which looks fairly interesting. I'm not into wrestling at all, but the movie looks... The, the premise looks interesting. Okay. I mean, I think she's going to do very well based on just this one film because she is electrifying in it, and I can't. I, I saw it, I don't know. 10 days ago and it's still rattling around in here I can't get this film out of my head it is so good so that so disturbing it le- well that kind of okay that kind of leads into the one I want to recommend okay um, but for, before I do that I just want to say quickly I did watch uh, a field in England based off of your recommendation and That's also right. me seeing kill list uh, and I will sum it up in saying I didn't like it did not like a field in England whatsoever oh um i'm sorry so oh no dude i would have watched it anyway because i like yeah. kill us so much yeah um but that's not what i'm talking about you're I'm on the talking... you're on the ben wheatley train now yeah we'll see yeah because i want to now i'm curious to see what else like how different his other stuff is yeah. so i literally watched this movie last night and so i'm really still like in the how do i feel about this movie and uh, i watched it because a it's on netflix and b it's sort of an oscar contender movie and last night we watched roma have you seen Roma yet? Uh, it's very high up on my to-see list. So it's Alfonso Cuaron, who, if you know him, 
Children of Men and Gravity and uh, Prisoner of Azkaban are the three that I think he is probably most known for. Also, yep. my favorite actually is Itu Mama Tambe and is actually my favorite Quran movie. And so this movie, in a non-ridiculing sense, is not about anything. There's no, not a huge story going on. Basically, you follow Cleo, who is this maid for this family in Mexico. The family that she she serves is going through their own sort of family crisis that looks like the, the mom and the dad of this family are, are splitting up and that's its own thing. And oh, then, so the one thing I didn't nail down from the trailer, is it a period piece? Is this set in it, the past? Is, is it is. modern day? Yeah, no, it's a period piece. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's not... It's like 70s or something, yes. isn't it? Yep, yeah, it is. Essentially, you follow Cleo, you kind of, you see what she does, you see her life, and I don't think this is giving anything away, but I will stop very short of going much further than saying that um, she becomes pregnant, and that's something that she has to deal with because, A, she's not married, and B, you know, she's a maid, and how is that all going to work out? I am intentionally not going to delve much further into the movie because, A, there's not a, there's just not a whole lot more to say about it in terms of plot. It's very much a slice-of-life kind of movie, but B... There is, and if you've seen the movie, there was a very, very intense eight minutes or so, kind of towards the end, the sort of the two thirds mark, where it's really tough watch. And you mentioned thing about if you have kids, it's a really tough watch. And I, same with this. Are we dipping into a few episodes? Well, more than a few episodes back. Now we did Victoria. So are we dipping kind of into that kind no, of territory? No, even, way, even further. Okay, even further. So this sounds like it's going more into my Lady Macbeth territory. Maybe I, I don't know, yeah. but but without giving anything away. Um, here's the thing. It's like two fifteen. It's black and white. It's in subtitles, and it's not the easiest movie to to just say go watch this. And I don't even think. I don't think it's even a great movie. But what I appreciate about the movie is that it's a movie about a Mexican maid. And 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 not a Mexican maid who cures cancer or not a Mexican maid who saves the lives of a thousand people. Like it really is it's a Mexican maid and it's her life. And I think what I most appreciate appreciate about this movie is that it was made at all. With this production level with Crohn's direction I mean, he did everything. I don't. I mean, he he wrote it, he directed it, he produced it. I believe he was the editor and the cinematographer on this movie. He, this was a passion project in every sense. Well, that's always exciting. And it is a well-made movie, but I also think it's a divisive movie, not just because of this very intense scene, but also because it's it's a black and white foreign film. And so I don't know how many people I'll get to bite on this movie and and actually watch it. I think what I'll say is I don't regret watching it, and I'm glad it's made. It's a tough sell, yeah. but it's on Netflix, and there's no reason to not watch it. So, Do you think it's going to be a serious contender here in, in uh, when is it? It's going to be a, a couple, couple weeks. A couple of weeks. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Having not seen enough of the other ones to really say, in terms of like looking at the like, track record, I yeah. still think it's pretty much between A Star is Born and Green Book. But I think Roma could be that one that kind of... It could be the shape this, of water. The stick. Well, the stigma is 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 not just that it's a foreign film, but it's also it's a Netflix movie, which I think it's like, can Hollywood accept a Netflix movie as winning yeah. this picture? Which yeah. is stupid. But anyway, so Roma is my it is my recommendation, but I, I honestly don't expect a lot of people to bite. Well, we'll we'll see if the uh, the Academy changes that if it yeah. gets a ton of a, a ton of attention. Exactly. But speaking of Academy attention. We'll talk about, we're going to talk about a movie today that definitely got some Academy attention oh, and definitely, we got, go. uh, definitely got a lot of attention anyway. 
And uh, we're ta- we're tackling our first uh, Spielberg movie today, and it sounds like to Ian's, I'll say Ian's excitement, we're getting one out of the way early on, and it, the, it was the, it was tough. The movie that we are talking about today is E.T. the Extraterrestrial, uh, directed by Steven Spielberg, written by Melissa Matheson, but also pretty much between Matheson and Spielberg. Right. The main cast uh, we have Henry Thomas as young Elliot, Drew Barrymore as Gertie. Robert McNaughton as Michael, and that's those are the, the siblings. And then the only other two I wrote down was Dee Wallace, who is the mom, and uh, Peter Coyote, who is just referenced as Keys. Yeah. Well, he's, he's like, the, other than the mom, he's the one sort of empathetic adult. Yes. Yeah. Uh, a cut Harrison Ford was in this movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Did, did you know did, that? Did, did you watch the deleted scene? No, I didn't, actually. Okay, so there's a very poor quality. Uh, Not color corrected and everything. No, yeah. it's yeah. really. Yeah, no, there's uh, there's still guns in it. Instead of walkie-talkies. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, <laughs> oh, God. I don't even want to talk about that. We'll get to that. Um, so other films by Spielberg in the book. And and this might be a conversation. This might be a conversation we have because here are the other films of his in the book. Jaws, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, Raiders of the Lost Ark, The Color Purple, Schindler's List, Jurassic Park, Saving Private Ryan, and Lincoln. And then obviously E.T., which we're talking about today. The most egregious problem with that list is Munich not being in there. Munich is hands down the most important piece of film that that Spielberg has made. I more show and this this is my big controversial opinion that I I spar with people on. I think it's a more important film than Schindler's List. Uh, I think it's I think that's one of those. It depends on who you ask. Yeah, I think Schindler just has the history and the traction. Not, I don't mean history of of World War II and and Nazis and concentration yeah. camps. I just mean, you know, it won eight Academy Awards. It was a huge big deal when it came out. And Munich was nominated if, for five, and I don't it think it didn't win any. Anything. It didn't yeah. win any. Yeah, and not that that's what matters when no. you make when you make no. movies, but it definitely seemed to slide more under the radar. I will say, here's what here's what I'll say. I think Spielberg's serious movies are better than his popcorn movies. Yes. And I know a lot of people out there who hold Jaws up on a pedestal and Raiders up on a pedestal and Jurassic Park up on a pedestal. And I'm not here to say those movies are bad because I enjoy those movies. But I would take Munich, Saving Private Ryan, Schindler's List over any of those movies. And well, and Close Encounters. I am an absolute sucker for Close Encounters, as you'll discover as and, we go through this episode. And Close Encounters really kind of bridges that gap between the two of being a popcorn well, flick I, and a serious. Flick. I would argue that Jaws does as well. I I don't. No. No, I don't. I don't see Jaws but, as a is serious. It, is it because it's got the stigma of being the birth? That is the original blockbuster. I know. I know that that's there. But even even just watching it as it is, it, it's not scary enough to be a horror movie, to my opinion. Especially because the second half of the movie is like an adventure flick of chasing the shark. Yeah. And again, I don't care that it's two different movies because I feel like it is, and that's that's fine yeah. with me. I, I kind of like that, but I think that's also what sells it as this. You know, it's going to get people in because it's scary. But if you like adventure movies, it's going to get you there too. Yeah. So you know, but it's it's the performances for me that elevate it above any of that other garbage. Like sure. Robert Shaw is great in, in Jaws, is as good as anything in Schindler's List. And again, and it, sorry, I, and again, that's not to denigrate those movies, because I, I love, I actually really love Harrison Ford and Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah. I think, and I think, I think Sam Neill and Jeff Goldblum and Laura Dern in Jurassic Park are all great. It's, I'm not knocking those movies. No. I just think that there's a time and a place for them, and I think in terms of, 
it, it's almost the definition between what what's a movie and what's a film. And yeah. I know that's a that's an obscure bullshit yeah, conversation yeah. to have. But in my in my opinion, Jaws, Raiders, E.T., Jurassic Park, movies, Schindler's List, Munich, Saving Private Ryan, film. Yeah. yeah. And that's dumb. And come at me, I don't care. But like. There are different. And, I can't disagree. And 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 I again, sorry, we're talking about ET, but Ron Spielberg. Well, we're talking talking about yeah. his filmography in general. Is there so? I feel like Munich is missing from that list. I, you know what? Is there something that you feel is missing? It's tough because I've only seen Munich once, and I don't get me wrong, I like Munich, but one that I've. If you say Hook, I'm walking it's out not of the room. It's not Hook. It's Catch Me If You Can. It is really good. It's so good. I've seen and it. I've seen it recently, it's and it's so rewatchable. It, it, no, it's as good as the first time I saw it. Man, it's so good. Yeah. And and again, and the fact that he made it in the same year as Minority Report. Exactly. I yeah, wouldn't yeah. honestly. I wouldn't bat an eye if Minority Report was in the book as well. Minority Report's great. It is. It is one of the great modern sci-fi films. Yeah. It really is. Uh, of certainly of, of this century so far, anyway. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going out of my way to see Ready Player One anytime soon, but I'll definitely put Minority Report on again. It's yeah. Again, again, again totally rewatchable, and yeah. especially now that it kind of tackles the the whole stuff about police and and how far we go. Yeah. At, you know, it, I think it even registers more now oh, than it did back in 2002. Yeah. Yeah. So this movie was up for a bunch of Academy Awards, and we'll just say that score, it, it took score and all the technical awards. It took sound, sound effects, editing, and visual effects. Up for Best Picture, Director, uh, Original Screenplay, Cinematography, and Editing. Yeah, and I think it's important to note that it lost all of those to Gandhi. Yeah, I was gonna, that was the next thing I was going to say. Which I'm totally fine with. See, I don't, I've only seen Gandhi once, and I was way too young to actually know if I liked it or not. Oh, so okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, I will say that I have no opinion on Gandhi, because... I watched it when I was like 16, okay. and I don't. It, it's it's a blur. I well, know it starts with him to... getting shot, yeah. and that's about that's about oh, as that's much it. as I remember of that movie. Well, maybe we need to cue Gandhi up then. <laughs> okay, we'll get it going. Yeah. Um, although I do love the um, I, the Attenborough quote when he won. I think he. I'm not sure if he won for director or picture. I mean, I know he won. I know that well, one, he, he, won both. he won both. But when he was up there. He he actually said like, not only did I think ET was gonna win. But I think E.T. was a far superior film. And whether or not he believed it or not, I do appreciate that he... The, not, the humility. Yes, there. yes. yes. Yeah. And, 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 yeah. Again, that he probably wasn't making Gandhi to, to, to win things. He just wanted to make a movie. And, yeah. Yeah. So while we're on awards, if I can... I, the, so the Academy Awards, what it, what it won and what it lost, I don't think that's a surprise to anybody. Yeah. For me, I mean, we'll delve into the score. Remind me when we get there to, to talk about the score. Okay. But uh, the BAFTAs are the ones that are really interesting to me. Yeah. So it only won one, which is, I guess I'll just talk it, about it. one it. score. I really don't like John Williams' score in this film. Really? And I love John Williams. I, I, who doesn't love, how can you not love John Williams? He has created the most iconic scores in film history. Yeah. But the problem that I have is I find that I am being so hypercritical of scores oh, okay. in, in my old age. I thought you uh, that I'm starting to see, and especially when you watch a lot of films like in sequence, say if you were to sit down and watch the films that John Williams composed in, like, in a sequence, say starting with Jaws yeah. and leading up through, I don't know, the end of the 80s or up to Hook even. Sure. Say, you start to see where people repeat themselves or where they recycle something, and oh. there is so much Empire Strikes Back in Oh, this thank score. you. No, no, I wrote that down There's too. There's an absolute ton the, of it. The, the bad guys theme in this is so close to the imperial march oh yeah it's right it, it up is. there no, no, and there's I, a lot of stuff like i hear a lot of like the themes from hoth when they're like the the battle at the base i hear a lot of that as well it's just so it for me it it kind you know, of makes so, it for it et loses some identity 
oh, in sure. its score because of that. I also, I also think, I, I honestly think that the people who recognize the score, it's it's the like the the theme that plays when like when yeah. they take off on the bike, right? Yeah. Like it's it's the it's the big rising moment at yeah. the end of the film, which I hate. Although I, that that score is way too big for a moment that important. So E.T. is referenced in one of my favorite books about theater. It's called it's from a book called The Director Prepares. I won't delve into why I like the book so much, but it talks about how music and other other forms of media can be very emotionally manipulative. And they list John Williams' score for E.T. as that. And how it's one of those scores. I, I, I also call it the, the lost Michael Giacchino score, where it's really good. At if you are confused as to what to be feeling right now, just listen to the music. Yeah, this is going to tell you exactly how you should feel. Which at times you can it, it can be so good when you don't even realize that that's what it's doing. Yeah, which is why I also sometimes like the very the European way that movies over there don't always have scores, yeah. if at all. Well, that was the other thing. If I can reference back Please to do. the recommendation that I made at the beginning of the episode, Lady Macbeth has, I think, three pieces of music in the whole film, and I didn't realize that there was no music until the very end. Yeah. And same with, I think, No Country for Old Men blew me away. I was like, did Exa- I just sit through a movie with no music? Yeah. Like, and I didn't even notice. Exactly, yeah. The, yeah, yeah it was because No Country is like a soundscape. Yes. Yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and Lady, like I said, Lady Macbeth only has, for me, the only piece that stood out was, like, the very end. Like, sure. Like, the very end piece of the film. But yeah, no, anyway, I, this score... It's too much. It's too big. It's too loud. It's too fast. It's too all at once. Yeah, it doesn't. Well, it, the Globes also recognized it for I know, score. I know, um, and it's it it's, didn't it didn't win. Music, the LA uh, Film Critics nominated, it, but it didn't win. It but, was National Board Review Top Ten, a bunch of other stuff. But here's what's interesting about the BAFTAs to me. Yeah. So everything it lost at the Academy Awards, it lost to Gandhi. Yeah. Now I was blown away by what it lost to because I when I'm looking at nominations and wins and things like that i want to know okay well what did they feel was better Mm -hmm. so it was nominated for 12 things at the bath and if you'll indulge me i'll go down the list yeah i got them all here too so yeah it lost cinematography and production design to blade runner directing film and it was nominated for two outstanding newcomer awards and lost both of those to gandhi as well as the other two i just mentioned Mm -hmm. uh missing picked up editing and screenplay quest for fire picked up makeup Pink Floyd The Wall picked up sound, and Poltergeist, which was kind of developed in tandem with E.T., yeah. took the special visual effects. And that, to me, it, it kind of smacks of the way that the Academy will really try to elevate just a hand, there's one or two movies. Whereas you take a look at, at, at the Golden Globes or the BAFTAs, something that is a little more, you know, the world of cinema minded in the way that they try and, you know, sort of spread that love around a little bit. I thought this was the perfect example. Of I'll that. give you the Baptist. The Globes are a joke. <laughs> Sorry. Really, really quickly. Cause I want to, cause I'm, I'm riding this train with you. So, uh, first, uh, just uh, say that it's, it is currently number 24 on the AFI top 100 used to be 25 on the 97 list. And, uh, Hey Ian, is this film, was this film inducted into the national film registry? I believe it was in 1994. Yeah. Yeah, it was. It's probably right around the time I saw it for the first time. I would think I didn't see this movie until I was in high school. Wow. It never, it wasn't a family film. Yeah. And it just, I finally just watched it. Yeah. I saw it as a kid once and I've never seen it again. So, I mean, there's been a huge gap. Oh, so is this your second time watching it? This is only my second time. Oh, same here. Yeah, Yeah. Same here. So we, we, sometimes we bring up a quote. Or, or let's talk about a critic, and I don't know if you have one, but I I do, and so I didn't know if you had anything that you wanted to read because I I found something that I I wanted to put. Well, I found one that kind of blew me away. It's one that I I can't argue with. It's just 
because the critic, his name is Michael Srago, uh, writing for Rolling Stone. Okay. Um, I can't argue with what he's saying. He's just saying it about the wrong film. Okay. <laughs> he called Spielberg a space-age Jean Renoir, and he puts his breathtaking technical skill at the service of his deepest feelings. Yeah. Yeah, but I, it's, it's, it's a, it's a well-put thing. It just doesn't belong to go in front of this film in, in, in Spielberg's canon. See, I, like, I, I found the, the original Hollywood Reporter review um, by Martin Kent, and I like it because it, I think it hits, it hits both sides. It says, uh, as director and co-producer with Kenneth Kennedy, Spielberg is crafted with warmth and humor, a simple fantasy that works so superbly on so many levels that it will surely attract masses of moviegoers from all demographics. At the heart of the storyline, E.T. is really my favorite Martian with a bizarre-looking but disarmingly lovable alien. However, the film goes past the myth of a marooned spaceman trying to figure out a way back home. While E.T. is being befriended, hidden, and protected by his Earth buddies, the picture conveys a relationship story, an adventure, a mystery, and ultimately the time-worn but always timely message that no matter how different God's creatures may be, there's a common bond between the thinking ones and because they're also, capa- because they're also capable of love. Sound sappy? Yes. But Spielberg's magic as a director is to take these themes and weave them into a straightforward tale so delicately that you are never sledgehammered and come to perceive screenwriter screenwriter Melissa Matheson's intent through the exquisite subtlety of this beguiling fairy tale. I don't think anything is subtle about this movie. No, not at all. And and I don't... That doesn't bother me. That that some of the overt things that it's trying to say... But I, I, I'm hard. It's hard for me to believe that somebody saw this movie when it first came out and thought that it was subtle, because I think it's, I think it is kind of sledgehammered. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. This is not. This is not good quality filmmaking. But what do you mean by that? Like, what, what I mean by that is, do you mean the storytelling, or do you mean like, because it is, it is quality filmmaking. It looks, it's well, shot okay. really well. Technically, yes. Yeah. And the things, that, yes. But as far as an overall product, its audience is the lowest common denominator. It's going for. It, it is really spoon-feeding you absolutely everything. It's not allowing you to do any thinking or feeling for yourself, and that's not what art should be. Yes, I mean, again, but we, that's what we're talking about, is we're talking about, you know, film versus movies, right? Yeah. We, and, and not everything that we watch is going to make you question things so obviously. Well, I don't, I don't need to question them. I just also don't need to be told how I feel every 60 seconds. Like, here's the deal. I shit on Hook a lot. Because okay. Hook is just garbage. I mean, it really feels like Spielberg had something to prove in Hook. But at least in Hook, I'm allowed to make my own decisions about what's happening on screen. Whereas E.T. is going, no, 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 you must feel this way about this. Because of just th- that hammering score and the way, that the unsubtle way that they manipulate you and the way that they change. I mean, they really want you to feel terrible about E.T. And you should. I mean, it's, it's, it's yeah. sad when he's dying. Yeah. But it's just so overwrought. I mean, the stuff in that where they're trying to, like, defibrillate him and stuff like that. I mean, there's no, like we talked about, there's no subtlety in that filmmaking at all. See, it's that, and you pick such an interesting scene to talk about because while I, I agree, in terms of the storytelling, I agree. It's not, it's not subtle. But I, you know, I appreciate that Spielberg got real EMTs and, and medics to do that scene. So it doesn't, like, I like how it sounds. I like how it's shot. It, it no. feels like they're... They had somebody come in who really needed to be worked on. And the dialogue and the delivery, it's all very much, you know, yep. this is how we would do it. Let me shoot that down. 
slightly. Okay. Would you do that with an alien? It's just that they're treating this alien like it's... No, this is not... I don't know. There's just so many leaps of... of and gaps in logic. Sure. And it, yes, it is a, it is a family-friendly sci-fi. Yeah, you shouldn't yeah. be looking for all that all the connective tissue and things like that. It's and just, again, I was super critical watching it this time. No, and it's it's funny because I expected to to not enjoy it. No. Yeah. Because I just was like, am I really gonna? And so I don't. I'm gonna totally give you the, the movie going experience. So I it was a Friday evening. Both my daughters were in bed. Melissa's at work, so I start it. Melissa gets off early, so I stop it about halfway through. Right about as the mom comes in and sees everybody in the in the bathroom and E.T. and Elliot are both not looking so hot, right? Wait, do you have the... So you have the 20th anniversary... Blu-ray. Messed with version. Then. Yeah. Okay, so I, I, I have whatever version I bought somehow, because I, I bought it on a streaming service for cheap. They had the original not messed with theatrical cut. Yeah. I was pretty pleased about that. Anyway, oh. continue. So I didn't have that bathroom scene that you're talking about. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, anyways, so Melissa comes home, and it's early. And I'm like, well, I can I can finish this tomorrow. Not a big deal. And we watch something else. I won't tell you what that is, although I could have an entire conversation about what it is that no, we watched. What did you watch? We watched the Bandersnatch Black Mirror episode. Continue. Okay. And so I pick. I go to pick up the next day, and... Um, I, I wanted to get notes done. I didn't want to, I didn't want that much time to go by. I hate stopping movies in the middle yeah, anyway. So I was like, worst. But I kind of I kind of felt like I had to. So I go, hey, Stella. She's my four-year-old. Stella, do you mind if I turn this movie on? She goes, can I watch it with you? I'm like, sure. Because I've seen this movie before. There's something that I'm, I'm worried that she's going to see that's going to freak her out. And she's asking me questions throughout. And it's not enough that it's that it's bugging me. Actually, it's kind of funny because I'm, I'm just trying to, you know, as I'm explaining the plot, it's solidifying things in my head. And she totally got everything. Yeah. And and so much so that when we got to the end of the movie, she goes, can you start it from the beginning so I can see what I missed? I said, sure. And it, and it gave me a chance to sort of look, watch again and take notes and stuff. All this to say that this really is a family film. And and for better or worse, whatever, this really was made as a family film. And, and I think that stems from the storyline. I think it stems from Spielberg wanting to essentially make a movie about divorce and combining it with his sort of fascination from basically um, his close encounters sort of follow through, wanting yeah. to kind of continue down that path. I mean, we're, as we're talking about this movie, I still don't know. We're not there yet, but I still don't know what the answer that I have for this movie is. Hmm. Curious. It, yeah, because again, it's like, unlike Spirited Away, which I said no to, even though I know my daughter loves that movie, this one I think has more merit of being in the book. Overspirited away, in, in in my opinion. But then, you know, when you look at the things of his that aren't in the book, that's where it starts to be like, well, ah, yeah. And not that everything in the book has to be deadly serious, and not that there shouldn't be movies like this in the book, but I don't, I don't know. So, and do you have it? Are there any redeeming qualities of this movie? Are there parts of this movie that you would enjoy, or anything that that you bring to the table, going, you know what, I did like this. There's a yeah. There's a there's a couple of. I mean, the the cinematography is great. I mean, the way it's shot. I mean, it's and that's you, that's Kaminsky. Yeah. Okay. And the, who would be frequent? Long time. Yeah. 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 Uh, there's a there's a great shot I love where he's he's trying to he, Elliot is trying to track E.T. at the beginning and he's using the Reese's pieces. Yes. Right. Which again, I mean, well done Reese's pieces. And now you're uh, a household name. Well, you know about that, right? No. Oh, you don't. So it's supposed to be M and M's. So they wanted to do M and M's. Yeah. Oh, and M and M's would. Well, Mars Mars said no, because yeah. we don't want to associate 
this with like an eight. Like they thought it would actually hurt their yeah. profits. And so they went to Reese's Pieces think, and they were like, yeah, let's do it. Yeah. And yeah, I think they made the right decision there. But the, the, the shot that I that I, I love is he's just it, the way it's framed as he's coming up this this hillside and there are the three kind of rotted out trees that he passes between and the, he's leaving the trail of the, the Reese's Pieces. It's shot very well. I mean, and you can see because it's early enough in Spielberg's career. I mean, granted, he had already made three huge films before this. I mean, you had Raiders, Jaws and, and Close Encounters. Yeah. But you could still see him figuring out where he was going to go later on in life as a, as a filmmaker yeah. and, and still figuring out this is how I want to frame things and uh, you know this is what I want the style and the feel of my film to be. I mean, I'm so I'm so let down by how unsubtle it is that it's it, that just really overshadows a lot of the the good aspects of it. I mean there's there's a couple of really just quick-witted funny things I love when they're all in their Halloween costumes and Michael has the fake knife through his head and E.T. is trying to fix that. Yeah. that That's great. Well, and I, I do, I, and even before that, I like the, uh, you are not going out as a terrorist. Yeah. It's it's comical in the sense of like, why would you ever do that? Yeah, because that's some super dark humor. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I mean, it, it, it that is one of the few things, or one of the, I should say, one of the many things that really does date this film, and the fact that they're playing Dungeons and Dragons at the beginning, which is, I mean, I don't think it people, dates it. People still play yeah, Dungeons it's and still, Dragons, yeah. but it's it's not like as big as it was, I think, then. Sure. In that sort of cult aspect, or, yeah. or however you want to phrase it, or or rather, it's, I mean, it's, I guess, it's gotten. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's kind of a click thing. Yeah, it, it has its own sort of nerd following, just like every yeah. everything does now. Right. Yeah. But I feel like there was a, there was a stigma about it back then. Sure. It's, it's one of those things that has been like like so many things in in nerddom and fandom has been just accepted as norm now. Which, yeah. Nothing wrong with it. Yeah. It's not out of the norm to play Dungeons Dragons, but it just it, it's the fact that they're all playing it, you know, at the the kitchen table and stuff like that, and they're making like a big evening out of it. There's something, and they they've done the same thing in Stranger Things to help say, yeah, yeah. to help establish the fact that this is the '80s. Yeah. this is something very iconic from the '80s. So that all I was bringing up all the, in a very roundabout way, saying that I feel like that is one of the things that dates the film as well as that terrorist joke. And yeah, one thing that I, I took this weird note. I don't know what I was doing with it, but like, how good is the alimony that they're able to afford that house? Well, we don't know what she does. We know she. We, works. we don't. We don't know what she does. But between her job and the alimony, how good is all that money coming in that they're able to afford that big house at the end of the block? It's kind of thing, you know what I mean. It's interesting. The the, the divorce stuff is it's that, that's probably the most subtle thing actually yeah. is the divorce. I do like that early on. Elliot has this line. I forget, it's about you know what he saw, and and Elliot has this quick line that you know Dad would believe me. Yeah. And then it just kind of gets quiet. and Yeah. But the the trouble is they don't really explore that. I know. I know. Which, which is a shame, which is lets the movie down a little bit to really help you care about these kids. Because I don't care about the kids. I oh, really? No. Oh, wow. No, not at all. <laughs> I just, I they feel, they, you know, maybe I'll backpedal on that slightly. I mean, Spielberg the, the, is so... The great thing about, yes, the great thing about Spielberg is the, the child performances yeah. in his films are great. I mean, even though Hook is garbage, the the performance from the two lead kids yeah. from the from Robin Williams' kids in that film, yeah. it's good. Blow them out of the water. Yeah, I mean they're they're good in it. That's yeah. what he's great at. Is just he's got the magic touch. He's just able to elicit these incredible performances that that imply that these kids are wise beyond their years. Yeah, I gotta say the I mean, thermometer 
on the the light bulb was a trick I never did. Yeah, as a kid, and I'm, I watch that and go, "Damn!" Well, they they, they say that his uh, his director's chair doesn't say director Spielberg; it says dad, which is something I love. They because he he treats the set like family, and he really treats these kids like they're his own kids. So I mean, there's I I can't totally say that I don't care about the kids because yes, the performances are good, and they do. It, there is a real sibling rivalry dynamic between them. Yeah. What was interesting to me was the divorce stuff. Yeah. And I did read about that. I was like, okay, so where did this come from? Why did you decide to make these decisions? Why isn't it a complete nuclear family? Yeah. Um, I guess Spielberg's parents did divorce, but the interesting thing is they didn't divorce when he was Elliot's age. They divorced more when he was like Michael's age or even a little bit older. Yeah, yeah. So obviously something that he was probably still working through at the time. Maybe, I don't, maybe I'm reading into it, but... No, well, no. I mean, I, I think you're heading down the right path. I know that's... It was his parents' divorce that prompted him wanting to do a movie about it. Yeah. And it was basically, he had that in his back pocket that he wanted to do a movie, generally about that. Yeah. And then he did Close Encounters, then he met Melissa Matheson, and sort of basically merged the two ideas. Right. Well, the from what I was reading, the the original what was the the original script called? It was like Night Night Moves or something like that, or Night Night Skies. Excuse me. It was it was going to be he was working on, and it sounded like it could have even been a more cut and dry sequel to. Close Encounters, because that's really kind of what I want out of E.T., and that's kind of me trying to shoehorn it into a box where it doesn't really fit necessarily, because it feels like it could be, if you went that same sort of tone as Close Encounters, you could have two very good companion pieces, because at the end of Close Encounters, obviously, you have Richard Dreyfuss leaving, so they take something, Mm -hmm. right? And in this, they leave something behind. Which Spielberg, sorry, Spielberg did say that was sort of intentional. He did want to tell the flip side of that. Even though he regrets the decision of of Dick Dreyfuss getting on the spaceship, and he says, or I read that he said that as a family man, he would not make that decision now. Because it's, it's a very selfish decision for the married man with children to get on the ship and leave. He, yeah. w- he said he wouldn't do that now, which is something I hate. Why backpedal on that? That is, unless Richard Dreyfus gets on the ship, why are we here? That's true. Like, there is no other way to end that film. Dick Dreyfus gets on that ship. That's all well, there is to it. I, don't, I disagree. I think part of it is just the vindication of knowing that something, that he, that he was right. No. I, I mean, I don't. What am I trying to say? I disagree that it couldn't have been, couldn't have been done any other way. Well, he's he's done in his in the special edition. I don't think Dreyfus gets on the ship. Oh, I I don't, I don't think I've I think I think it cuts before he gets on there. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, but anyways, I, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Anyway, I I so I should probably address why we're doing ET to sort of vindicate my answers to this. Is so. There are there's another podcast, another great podcast. If you guys aren't listening to them, you should be Cinemusts. Yep. Um, they did uh, an episode right around the same time as we we did our first Hitchcock episode, Strangers on a Train, not too long ago. And before that, they had done a, a Hitchcock double feature. There, uh, I believe they also did The Lady Vanishes yeah. as well as Strangers on the Train. And so on on Twitter, I kind of go back and forth with them sometimes, and I'll respond to their their messages and uh, they were talking about you know what's one reason you should or shouldn't see strangers on the train and I jumped immediately into the Raymond Chandler aspect of it because I mean whatever is left of his original script that's some of the redeeming elements of of strangers on a train I yep. mentioned what what a shame it is that his original script didn't get made and maybe it's out there in that beautiful alternate universe where Jodorowsky's Dune gets made and Spielberg directs Jedi instead of E.T. And that sort of sparks some backlash. They're like, wait a second, you don't like E.T.? And I went, hang on, well I haven't seen E.T. In, in a long enough while to comment on something like that. I just feel like there's more to be gained from Spielberg directing Jedi than there is from him 
making E.T. I, I don't know how you feel about that. But that, that, anyway, that's what prompted me to suggest this is one of our, our next episodes so that we could address yeah, yeah. that. Uh, well, you know, it's hard to know if Spielberg could have saved Jedi from... Yeah, itself. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, who knows? I mean, Spielberg, he makes good movies, so there's a chance he could have done something with it. Yeah, uh, yeah I don't know. But, uh, you know, there are things about E.T. that cinematography is great. I, I think it's beautifully shot. I love, I, I love, the, there's a lot of, like, what, I forget what they call them, but, you know, perfect moment shots where the sun is just right, you know, that's yeah. some beautiful sunrise, sunset shots. Well, the the best shot in the movie, I'll just address it right now. For me, the, the best shot is the end where you see E.T. through the, the grate of the walkway. Yeah. That, the, the framing of that is fantastic. The problem is, is that you have John Williams' score beating you over the face with how you're supposed to feel. And that's, yeah, exactly. I mean, it is, I feel like it's an emotionally manipulative movie anyway. Right. But, but it doesn't have to be. Yeah, well, it's, no, it's, sure. It's because it's playing, like I said, to that low and common denominator. We've got to, if you're watching this with the, your family, it's got to appeal to everybody in the family. It does. And, and so, again, there's no shame in that. I mean, that's why this movie was the number one movie, not just of 1982, but for 11 oh, years. Oh, my God. Like, it, what was it? It's it had, it had 16 weekends at number one. Six of those were consecutive. Uh, I, I've got I've got all of it here because it was all interesting. To yeah, me. 27 weekends in the top five and 44 weekends in the top 10. There's no other film that's done that. Yeah, I mean it, it held the record of the mo- the highest grossing film until Spielberg did it again yeah. with Jurassic Park. And in, and while Jurassic Park is is scarier, you yeah. know I think it's more graphic. Again, I think it is a it's a movie that appeals to all levels. Yeah, another movie where we got great performances out of the younger actors. You know, I just think you look at Jurassic Park, I think it's got a more... And Jurassic Park has its flaws, too. Things that don't necessarily make a lot of sense. There are just, And maybe it's, it's scientifically, and you just have to yeah. make that leap. I mean, these are both movies in which, one, we brought dinosaurs back to life, and in the other, an alien comes down and lives on Earth. So but there you've are got leaps su- being made. Yeah, you've got to suspend, you know, your disbelief yes. either way. Um, the, the reason I bring up, you know, that alternate universe where he makes this in instead or he makes jedi instead of this is also for me there's a much more interesting film that he didn't make is in that night skies movie that sci-fi horror film that he wanted to do uh that ended up being cannibalized and parts of it ended up in this and parts of it ended up in poltergeist yeah I, it just it sounded like a much more interesting film it sounded like it was going to continue down that path that he had started with close encounters as i said becoming maybe more of a direct sequel and that that to me is far more interesting than this family friendly mm, yummy good feeling popcorn garbage and for me people say the death of that wave of art house cinema that was becoming mainstream so you have you know the fall of the studios in the in the mid 60s yeah, yeah and then you have you know easy rider beginning this wave of well the young filmmakers fresh out of ucla or you know from the other coast from new york they're coming in and now they're making interesting films we're breaking down the studio system where we're making films about real human not that the studios didn't make films about real human issues but we're yeah. going to explore some things that previously we couldn't we're going to say the hell with the censors and we're going to make the kind of films that we want to see yeah and people blame, I think, Jaws. It's a combination of Jaws and Star Wars that they blame for the end of that yeah. sort of beautiful era. For me, it's E.T. E.T. was like the death knell of interesting cinema. I think I think, I think, think maybe a way I would phrase it was that Jaws and, and, and uh, Star Wars start it. Yeah. 
and ET's where it's like, but you still yeah. have you still have those. No, and that's what I mean. You still have raging. Yeah, 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 you still have raging bull, and I mean seventy nine was a fantastic year for cinema as well. Uh, that, that that right at the end there seventy nine eighty leading into eighty one, and then you had stuff like some of the best cult sci-fi and horror films are being made. You have Alien, yep. right? Mm-hmm. You have Blade, Blade Runner, Runners. you have The Thing. And both Blade Runner and The Thing, I think, have come out on top in more recent years because I think they're the films that when we talk about films, we probably talk about them before we talk about E.T. But at the time, <laughs> at the time, nobody wanted those anymore. So both of those films failed miserably. And, and nobody went and saw them because now that E.T. is out, this is what, oh, this is the new thing. This is what we want. We want that happy, warm blanket of good feeling I, and people telling us how we're supposed to feel. I agree and disagree. I agree with what you just said about the E.T. stuff. And, and and maybe it came out on top at the time when it regards to, to The Thing and, and Blade Runner. I think all of those movies have, have stood the test of time. And that's why we, st- we still talk about all of them. No. I think it depends on who you're talking to. And yes, you're right. I think I think the people who love Blade Runner probably don't love E.T. as much. And the people who love E.T. probably don't get Blade Runner. Yeah. You know, I, I, and I think... I'm not saying I'm smarter than them. I'm I only think, saying that I'm smarter than them. There you go. Um, but no, it's... it's. I keep circling back to it, what, what you've said, which is this movie was made for the masses. Yeah. It really was. And... Well, shit. I mean, the... the all, of all the awards that it took home and all the awards that it lost, the one that's most interesting to me is when you talk about it being made for the masses. Spielberg won a UN Peace Prize for this film. Oh, yeah. He got he was invited to the White House. Yeah. He had a screening with, with the Reagans. Yeah, he had a, I guess they had a screening at Buckingham Palace as well, in which yes. Lady Di supposedly was in tears afterward. Yeah. And again, it, and it's not... Like what? Like what was it? What I want to go back to nineteen. I well, wish this is one of the things I really wish. I want to go back in time and see the Godfather, originally. Like yeah. in that that the first time that the lights come come down and you hear Bonacera say, "I believe in America." Like I want that feeling. Yeah, I want that feeling of seeing that for the first time in nineteen seventy two. In the same way that I kind of in a more sort of scientific, sort of curious studying of of the culture at the time. I want to go back in time and see this film when it came out. I, I want to know what that feeling was and why people gravitated to it and why and the I, hell it spent 44 I, weeks in the top 10. Because I think, I don't think anything like this around that time was really being made or no. or, or as, as highly, highly regarded. No. I mean, Disney is not what Disney is now. Disney wouldn't be that again until Little Mermaid in 89. Yeah. Yeah. It, it just wouldn't, it wouldn't get there. And so in terms of family-friendly movies that aren't just schlock, like pure, just utter, like Beethoven kind of movies, right? Where it's so it's so feel good that it makes you sick, right? That this movie probably seemed like a breath of fresh air, and you know, it's it's Spielberg who has the track record. It's for everybody, so there's that, you know. Yeah. I think what it was was that it it, it appealed, yes, it appealed to the masses, but I don't think an ET was out there. I think ET, I mean, probably people who were even interested in science fiction movies. Screw the family stuff. Like they were just probably came to see yeah. see it because of that. Yeah, it hit it. It ticks so many of the check marks. It's insane. Yeah, and I think you can't you can't underplay that. And it's tough because 
you know, right now it's, it's comic book movies and maybe 30 years from now people will go, well, why, why was that such a thing? Yeah. And, and well, I hope so. I'm, even, or, I'm, already, right now, I'm already saying why is that such a thing, but, but it, I mean, you know, it, it's got action, yeah. you know, it, 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 it's trying to make a bigger statement at large. It's got hundreds, I mean, hundreds, I don't think is even an understatement anymore of, of stars in, yeah. now in the MCU. Yeah. I mean, it's trying to hit those high emotional moments. I think Infinity War kind of got there, but again, this is, one of those franchises that wants to have its cake and eat it too. Yeah. In the sense that, yeah, we killed them all, but we're going to bring them all back in six months, so don't worry about it. I mean, I, in terms of, in terms of E.T., there were actually moments where I got, I was, I got emotional from it. Yeah. And I think the cute parts are cute. They're meant for people like my, my four-year-old. Yeah. You know, all the stuff with E.T., in, in, with the, the ghost thing on Halloween, you know, Stella loved that. Anything, Early on, with the interaction with the kids, it's ET in the, in the dress. Yeah, and, and how do we know ET is a boy? That's an excellent question. Which I don't, I don't get because it was that funny is, to put him in the ladies' clothes. That like, is one thing I wrote down: is like, don't try to assuage sort of gender norms with ET. Just let him be who he wants to be. If he wants to wear that dress, let him wear it. There was something that I read about, you know, th- what what somebody liked about the movie was that ET was pretty much uh, gender neutral. Yeah, I was like, no, that's not true. He ET is very much regarded as a male because yeah. it's funny when he wears the dress yeah so no i do, i didn't i don't know i think that's that's weird no just i do well and again when i talk about missed opportunities you know as far as like what that original night skies could be i i do think there's a i want to spend more time with the aliens because i don't feel like i get enough time to care about them i'm just supposed to care about him because he got left behind and i okay. think that's, but i think that's it i i this is not because even even Close Encounters wasn't about the aliens. No. The Close Encounters is about Richard Dreyfus and um, the actress's name. I can't remember who the, the loses the kid. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, I'm, not, I'm not fighting this tooth and nail. Like, I want to I enjoy this film. I mean, is there anything more iconic in American cinema than the boy on the bike in front of the moon? I mean, Spielberg used it Amblin. as, yeah, yeah. as the, the company logo. Okay, sorry, one other... I gotta and put the ouch there. and the E.T. phone home. There is... Yeah. It's so shock right here. That is a great moment, and I want I want that moment. I want to feel that moment again, but, but John Williams is telling me this is how you're supposed to feel about this moment. Yeah. No, Not, I, yeah, absolutely. It's the, same, it's the same feeling that I know you get when you watch Manchester by the Sea. You don't want to be told how to feel yeah. in the cop shop, uh, yeah. but the score is like that big rising kind of thing. It's yeah. it's the same. No, I I hear you. Yeah. I hear you. What? Sorry, one. I had to bring this nitpick up before we we wrap up. I, I of course buy that he can fly. That the bike is flies. Yeah. Right. Et does his thing, and they levitate. I get it. I I like it a lot. I think it's great. Why is he pedaling? Yeah, that's a very excellent question. There's got to be a moment where you realize, oh, I'm flying. Pedaling isn't going to make me go faster. No. I am just flying now. Yeah. And I remember, I seriously, I watched it and I go, I don't like this. <laughs> and there are things <laughs> like that yeah. that drew me out. Like, initially, wait, we get the initial encounter with E.T. And I remember the swings move and the trash cans knocked down. But isn't he nowhere near those things? Yeah. Like, he runs kind of into the... And that's a shame because there's great. I love the way that shot is framed. Of I the do house too. And the shed, and then the kind of the negative space in between it with the moon above. That is great framing. I just didn't understand. And there and there are things, even even the obvious things. There are things I like. I like that. And I when I read it too, and it kind of it kind of confirmed that I was on the right track. That everything is shot really really low. 
yeah. from like a child's perspective. Right. And I not love seeing, not seeing, yes. Yeah, not seeing the adult's face. That yeah. I love. I really do I, the, like and that's, that. It's a, it's, Spielberg makes, made smart choices. Yes. And I think, and that's, I think that's, I think his camera work, right? The, you know, the effects, the cinematography, all that, it's really well done. Yeah. I do think the story gets muddled and doesn't know what it wants to be. Uh, well, I, I do think before we wrap up, we should address the elephant in the room. When we talk about the day the day and age that we're in, or even before that, I mean, so it was the 20th anniversary. Mm-hmm. I mean, the film is now 30, what, Six. 37 years old? Yeah, yeah, yeah. When it comes to manipulating things, guns versus walkie-talkies, at, how do we feel about that? How do we... I, I, I think it's ridiculous. There comes there's a there's a level for me and this is the I mean obviously the bigger offender is Star Wars and of course yes. we'll get to that when we do that but when you make something and you put it out there into the world is it still yours and do you have the right to go back and fiddle with these things that we're used to seeing Now a, an alternative cut is one thing Yeah but going in and digitally enhancing or changing things Now I I know Spielberg's reason for doing it he felt that it was wrong to be like threatening the kid no no child is really has a gun pointed at them and that that was my thing is again it, it would have been one thing yeah if like the kids are riding their bikes and they had guns drawn on the kids yeah i mean they've got shotguns out yes they do no they do but, but they're I, not pointing them at the kids yes and i think also in the back of everyone's mind is there's a fucking alien yeah like and 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 while the kids know that it's not going to harm them nobody else does yeah I don't think it was a ridiculous image to have the, those cops holding the shotguns. If like they would have pointed them, I would have said, "Well, just cut that little bit out or yeah, whatever." That's sure, that's your choice. So that, that's the smallest nitpick. The biggest offender is it sounds like. So if you watched that version, then the version that you watched had CG ET all the way through it. No, there were still there were parts that were CG that you could tell, but, but the majority of the eyes, especially, I think the eyes are CG all the way through because they didn't like how they could manipulate the face oh, so I- much. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know. I did, because I, I actually sat and I, I watched a lot. There's like a huge like eight-minute comparison of all the changes that they made. Mm-hmm. And it's really just, I mean, when we're talking about a film that's already not subtle, it's just to be able to be pulled out by that. Yeah. You know, it's, it's really terribly obvious what has been changed. And I, I don't know, it's, it's just a debate that's been raging, I think, ever since Lucas did the special editions in 97 like yeah. how how far can you go and you know where do, where are you allowed to say okay this is my right to do this or whereas this is not my right to do this you know what i mean because yeah. yes you made it it's your film but you don't own it anymore you put it out there into the world for all of us right and this is this is what we're used to this is what we this is what we expect and this is what we want when we watch this film I don't know. It's it's an odd debate and probably one that we'll we'll delve deeper into when we do Star Wars because I have some major issues with that obviously. Yeah. I don't know. I just wanted to know how you felt about it and is it Yeah, I pretty much agree with yeah. what you said. I mean, I I think that if you if you wrote and directed something and, and you really were the one behind it, I do think it's it's yours to do with as you will, but I think I think the, you have to know that the way it's been seen is how people are going to remember it. And yeah. you just have to expect now you, I mean, you have to expect a backlash. I mean, if you're going to really change things decades later, you have a good reason for it and own up to it. Yeah. This is, this is the reason why I, I respect somebody like Ridley Scott and not Spielberg and Lucas is because there are five. Now there are now five versions of Blade Runner. It, well, four, if you don't count the work print, but 
you can you can pick and choose what you want. Yeah. They've always made sure that when they release it, you get every version. Yeah. Which has not happened with with ET and Star Wars. Sure. Like I want to be a, yes, that's I think it's okay. Yeah, if you want to do your digitally enhanced cut and you want to change the things that you couldn't do, you couldn't physically do in the 80s, which is fine. You were just bound by the limitations of the time. I think yeah. you need to accept that. But if you're going to do that, you need to also offer the original as well. I, I sh- as the consumer, should have the right to choose. Sure. Yeah. I don't know. Just a, just food for thought, maybe. So, Ian, do you think this movie should be in the book? It's a struggle. It's so iconic. Yeah. Everybody should see it once. Yeah. As a, it should be in the book. Everybody should see this movie once before they die. Right? Yeah. But, I don't know, I really want Munich in there. And if E.T.'s got to go to make room for Munich, I'm not going to lose any sleep over it. It's not going to hurt my feelings. And I, I think that's kind of where I am, too, is is I, I do think it's a movie that you should see before you die. And, and and not to say anything, like, if you don't have kids, but, like, watching it with my daughter, I was like, yeah, this is... And this is the first time that she saw it. Yeah. This is the first time you got to watch it. So you have... Now you have that special connection. Oh, totally. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, I'm sure that when Sophia gets older, we'll probably watch it, too. Do you think it's going to become a staple in the St. John household? Hard to say. Hard to say. Um, I think as, as Stella gets older, because she's, you know, she's seen plenty of the Disney animated movies, but she's also seen a few. She actually, she actually is a big, she likes the Marvel movies. She always, she actually, she always, she always asks me, she goes, can we watch Wonder Woman? Because that's what she wants to put on Wonder Woman. No. It's like, well, we can't watch it all the time, you know. Yeah. But I don't know. I don't know. We'll definitely watch it again probably a few years from now when Sophia gets old enough to, to understand it. I'm in, I think I'm in the same boat as you, which is I do think you should watch this movie. But if it means that I could take it out and put in Catch Me If You Can, I would do that. No. You wouldn't take out any other Spielberg movie to fit Catch Me If You Can in there to leave E.T. also? Now, I haven't seen The Color Purple. Oh, you haven't? No. I've seen it once. And it's 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 powerful. I mean, I mean it, it definitely was... I think that's the only one on the list of his stuff that's in the book that I haven't seen is Color Purple. It, it, it was clearly, in terms of in terms of uh, seriousness and and tone, it was his Schindler's List before he did Schindler's List. Like, right. It was no, that it was his very, first foray yes. into like it was a big gamble. Yeah. 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 Um, but no, no, I I think Lincoln is an odd choice. Uh, I think the performance is great, but I think the movie in itself is it's oh, it's okay. Yeah. I, you know, but I have no problem with it being in there. And that's the other thing I was thinking. Maybe maybe Lincoln comes out, Munich goes in, and then E.T. can stay. So so clearly where we're at is that Spielberg is a good director. He's done a lot of good stuff. Some of these you could easily take out. Some of them harder. We have movies we like to put in. Even though I don't this, – and this is the thing. This is the, the moral struggle. Even though I don't like – I think I don't think it will be – I don't think it's lost on anybody that I don't like this movie. But at the same time, you can't fight – its place in history. Yeah. And I think too, I think the last thing I'll say is had I watched this when I was a young kid and it, be- and it became something like that, I might have more fond memories. But honestly, the first time I watched this was, was by myself when I was in high school. I didn't watch it with my family. It was just a movie. I, I was starting to get into film history and I was like, I need to see ET yeah. watch it by myself. And I probably enjoyed it, but I don't have an extra connection to it. Yeah. You know? So in that way, it doesn't register with me, as I'm sure people who are listening have that connection. Like, yeah. I saw it when I was six, and it became my favorite movie, and I'm sure people are so angry with us. Yeah, that but that's that's not what I want to hear. Like, no, I, I'm The just nostalgic saying. thing, you take the nostalgia away. I want to know why you think this is a really good movie. But 
I think if something is so nostalgic like that, yeah. you're not going to be able to separate the two. Mm. Like, yeah, I don't, I don't have a good example off the top of my head, but I think if you saw something early enough and you enjoyed it early enough, it will just be something that you like until the end of time. Yeah. But well, anyways, that's what we think about ET and Spielberg. We really, I hope this generated some, some conversation and some, some opinions about what you think about et and we honestly would love to hear them so please find us on facebook and on twitter let us know what you think about et and if you think we're right or wrong and where your thoughts lie on this movie yeah please listen to us on google play and spotify and on itunes like us subscribe leave comments all that good stuff yeah i'm actually really eager to hear what people say about this one until next time i'm adam and i'm ian and we will see you next week 